Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to the Phileas Club. This is a show where we usually get people from different parts of the world, different uh, environments, cultures, people who have different opinions to come and tell us what they think of the news that's been happening in the last month. Uh, but we often do special episodes and on those we focus on one specific topic. This is one such specific topic episode, which is also kind of a long-standing series because this is the fifth episode in the Brexit saga where we go to uh, the United Kingdom and friends or neighbors who are not necessarily friends all the time and uh, talk about what the hell is happening. Bart is laughing. He knows what I'm talking about. Um, we we talk about all of that. Um before I'm Patrick Beja, by the way. Hi, I'm the host. Before we jump into this, uh, I do want to say I do want to thank the patrons of this uh, show, the people who support the show financially, because I feel, you know, on all my other shows, I, I thank everyone very profusely all the time. I feel I don't do this as much on this show. Maybe it's because it's a little bit more serious. But I, at least every once in a while, I want to take a second to acknowledge and appreciate the support that I get for doing this show because it's not an easy one. You know, I'm, I'm someone who does, who talks about games and tech for a living. And maybe that's why, you know, I have a different approach to international news because it's not something I'm bathing in all the time. Um, but I think the show is uh, not super easy for me to do. And I've mentioned it here and there. And sometimes I wonder if I, you know, should keep doing it. And if I, like, I definitely have an urge to do it. So I don't think I'm going to stop. But the support I get, especially on Patreon, um, it's not just about the money. Um, obviously, I'm very happy to take the money. If you want to give me more, I won't say no. I'm not one of those people. Um, but... It's also about the fact that it means that what we do here, which is probably different from most of the things you can find on the internet and in news media, what we do here matters, right? It's worth, or at least it's worth your uh, hard-earned cash, but the intent of supporting it. And I'm not trying to say this to encourage more of you to support the show. I'm really saying those who do, I'm incredibly thankful for. And I think maybe I don't say it enough. Um, and the reason I say that about many things, but I think really the reason I do it, I keep doing this show, is 
in higher part because I know that there are people who uh, appreciate and think what what we do here is worth it. So, um, yeah. So I I just wanted to say that. And now. To illustrate this, one of the core principles of the show is that we get people who don't necessarily agree with one another to talk and listen to one another. Not convince, but at least listen to one another. And uh, in this case, we have people from different parts of uh, the United Kingdom um, and friends. And you know what? Let's start with the friend uh, (laughs) from Ireland. Bart, how are you doing today? I am doing just fine. I am looking at the sunshine and ignoring all the news about small viruses. Let Yes, which is big viruses are fine. We can see them and, and shoot them with guns. The small ones are the annoying ones. Um, we, we also have, um, who's on this show? Uh, Bruce from the land of the Scots. How's it going, yeah. Bruce? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprisingly. Oh, the sun's gone. Okay, it was out. That was great. That was summer. Was it? <laughs> it was summer, yeah. Um, oh, I got excited because it was it was it was out. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know how can we be doing? We're we're leaving the EU. We're um, we're all we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, BlizzCon got cancelled. What else do What else do we need? <laughs> you know, when I say this show is difficult to do, it's especially true this year. Like sometimes I'm just like, mm-hmm. what the F, like, am I gonna more viruses, more? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think it's important and to soldier we, on. We, and, I mean, we, we don't want to say it's not going to get any worse, do we? Because we do, thought that you know, before. All right, I talk about this in a second, but I, I'm really hopeful for 2021. Maybe not for you mm-hmm. guys. Uh, <laughs> you guys are, are screwed. Uh, but for the rest of the world, there, there is hope, I think. I might do an editorial about this because I think it's really easy to lose sight of what might happen next year. And, you know, on the positive side, maybe we don't lose sight of what b- might be negative, although it's difficult to imagine. Like maybe there's going to be, I don't know, aliens invading or... Uh, some the ai taking over Mm. uh i was one of my favorite is uh california sinking in the san andreas fault which is technically possible you know it's not like it's not uh, anyway uh we also have alex from uh the land of the welsh how's it going alex uh, yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Not too bad. Uh, I've got a little bit of sunshine here. It's still sticking around at the moment. <laughs> good. Uh, similar situation here in Wales, I think, to everywhere else. Um, we did get criticized by Donald Trump in a tweet. So we must be doing something right. <laughs> it's a great COVID response. So it's uh, not too bad. Not what too did bad. he criticize you for? Um, he was talking about how our response to COVID has been terrible and how we're like doing really badly. Um, even though our numbers aren't actually that bad, especially comparison to the rest of the UK. So I have no idea. Well, that's not a high bar to clear. And I say that as, you know, a French person who's also getting like heat for the numbers. They're not great, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I'm equally devastated that BlizzCon has been canceled this year. Uh, Very, very upset about that, but that's life. Uh, But yeah, other than that, just, um, I think the weird phrase at the moment is I'm surviving. (laughs) which I guess is the main thing right now. For now. For now, for now. Uh, And I saved the best for last. Uh, Obviously, the true representative of the best 
of the United Kingdom. Uh, the English member of this panel, Gareth from England. How's it going, Gareth? Uh, yeah, well, I think I'm, I'm supposed to be um, saying the opposite to everybody else. So I think, yeah, the sun is definitely shining here. I love COVID. Um, <laughs> being locked down is fantastic. And I am so happy that BlizzCon was cancelled. <laughs> oh, no. Now that's it. going wow. too far. <laughs> that, you, I'm sorry, it's not funny. Um, it's just rude. For, just, just rude. That's, for that's... those for those who don't know, um, Gareth is the 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 bravest amongst us because he is the pro Brexit representative on the show. Um, I think Alex, you're aren't you kind of on the fence a little bit? Can't even remember. Um, it's I'm not really on the fence. I've never really been pro Brexit, but it's one of the things where I'm getting more apathetic over time. Mm. <laughs> so you're yeah, not that, enraged all the time. Mutual. Yeah. Uh, no, no, definitely not mm. enraged by all the some of the things we've done recently. It's quite questionable, but I guess we'll get to that later. Yeah, we're we're gonna get to it pretty soon, actually. And uh, you know, we try to keep the show lighthearted but serious. I don't know if it works. Like we we, it's not like we don't make all the news a joke, which I think some uh, commentators do, which I, I think isn't helpful. Uh, we joke around the news, but also when we talk about serious stuff, we try to be serious. And, um, so the last, <laughs> on the last episode previously on the Brexit saga, it was back in February of this year. It feels like a lifetime ago. I wasn't even February 12th was the publishing date of the episode. And it was a few weeks before I was supposed to go to Japan and had to cancel the trip literally in the airport after having gone through security because we realized that uh, COVID was taking hold in the country. And I don't know, it feels like everyone's been saying that about 2020, but it feels like 15 years ago. I don't even remember what had happened. Essentially, it was, everything was set. Everything was settled uh, and uh, things were going to happen at the end of October and the agreements were agreed upon and things were going to happen. And Brexit was happening with an agreement with the EU. I feel like I should go to someone who's not head deep in the situation and maybe the the Irish person who's looking, looking over at the, uh, you know, <laughs> Republic of northern ireland and looking what's happening there to tell us isn't i mean i don't know if you want to be the one to summarize the things that have been happening in the last few months bart tell me if you don't but a few weeks ago boris johnson was like hell no we're not going to do it like that and i didn't understand right. why or like what happened well to some extent that's a bit of a mystery to everyone um we had the agreement it was going to be a somewhat weird situation where Northern Ireland was going to be sort of in and sort of out of the customs union. And, you know, the, the Northern Ireland Protocol, as, as it was called. And it had taken a lot of negotiating, but it was, you know, a good old-fashioned fudge, um, but it seemed workable. And then out of the blue, they decided to publish a bill in Parliament in Westminster to basically give themselves the right to ignore the international treaty that entered into. And that's just thrown the whole thing up in the air to the point where it's not clear how you negotiate with someone who doesn't abide by their own agreements. So what did, did that bill pass or 
did it not pass? I'll, I'll defer to my my UK colleagues on that, but I don't believe it's all the way through the process yet. Yeah, so so it gets through the Lords now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the understanding was that it was changed slightly so that it would now come down to an MP's agreement on when to pull the plug on it. So it's now up to MPs to actually pull the plug if they wanted to go ahead with this at any point in future. I think was my understanding. So they've given themselves the right to break an inter- international treaty later. That is the gist of what I've been reading. Yes. Interesting approach. So, but um, uh, well, uh, from what? the Irish point of view, right at at the moment, there's still negotiations going on to try get to a trade deal because that's what really worries us here. Because like I grew up living on the border with Northern Ireland, and that is a very integrated. There's no difference between someone who lives on the south or the north of that border. And an awful lot of companies, as part of making whatever they make, there will be five or six border crossings, right? You imagine you get raw materials in, they come up through the border, then you send it down to be finished in some other place, it goes down to the border again, then it comes back up to you, and then you sell it out and God knows where it goes then. So that whole area there is built around this concept that stuff can move across that border without issue. And that is going to vanish in a puff of logic on the 1st of January. So what what we hear is radio ads. Like this morning, I was just thinking about this podcast. There was an ad from the Irish government saying, if you have a UK driver's license, exchange it for an Irish license before the end of the year, or it'll be illegal for you to drive. There's free courses for companies to train up customs uh, experts within their company so they can fill in the paperwork. There's ads telling you how to register to become an international exporter. Because anyone trading outside of the Republic now has to, is now, that's a, it's an international export. And even if there is a trade deal, it's still an international export. It may be at no tariffs, but it's still, you've got to register for a number. But, but this so is. The radio is full of ads as if this is going to collapse in a heap. And that we had a new budget today for next year, it was published today. And the budget is built on two assumptions COVID will be with us for most of next year, and there will be a hard Brexit. Wow. So all of those ads, just to be clear, are it because people think that the agreement is not going to hold. Well, even if the agreement does hold, the driver's license thing is still going to happen. Even if the agreement does hold, the custom stuff still has to happen. You still have to be registered. It might be zero tariff you have to pay, but you still have to follow the paperwork. Hmm. So, okay. so like Brexit the is, well. like, the, the UK is leaving the common trade area, whether it's leaving the common trade area with WTO rules or whether it's leaving the common trade area with, with, you know, agreed no tariffs, but it is leaving. So on a paperwork Mm. point of view, it's exports now. So, yeah, that does isn't impacted by, or I guess in some way, but that would have happened no matter what happens with the uh, kerfuffle that Boris Johnson (laughs) created a few weeks ago. Right. You are correct. Yes. Um, the, the question is, will there be someone standing on that border blocking the traffic or will it be the open border envisaged by that agreement where, yes, there's paperwork, but that paperwork. So basically, if the agreement stays in place, it's an on paper border, right, where the, the two companies involved file the paperwork online and the lorries just drive across the border. But if this completely collapses and if the EU draw a hard line mm. and say, well, we have to protect our borders from, you know, streams and streams of UK stuff pouring across, then there's going to be men standing on the border of the Republic of Ireland stopping stuff coming in from Northern Ireland. And that would be 
that that is the that is the mm. nightmare scenario. Yeah. So okay, I'm I'm gonna switch to Gareth. Um, you tried to to put a couple of words in earlier. Um, do you know what happened with Boris Johnson? Like, like. Yeah, what no, is my question? Not really. I think, I think as Alex said, really, I don't think anybody really quite knows what's what's gone on. Um, I, I've I've been very much staying away from the news, um, and, I'll, and I'll be you know dead straight. And honest. I realise this is a, a a program where you deal a lot with the news and with current affairs, and obviously that's a big part of what's going on. But I've been staying away from the news because it's just depressing. Yeah, um, I, th I think we, we do that. And we also, another really important part is getting the feelings of the people who are on the ground. And I think people who can't, not being able to deal with it as, anymore is also part of that, you know, reaction we want to know about. Um, yeah, and I get, you know, and, and the original, the original premise of me, of me being here, you know, in my head was, was a lot to do with the fact that I am not a political person. I do not keep completely up to date on all of this sort of stuff. I am a sort of standard average ordinary person on the street. Um so I was thinking about this last night thinking well I don't really know exactly what's going on with some of this stuff. Should I do a load of research? And I kind of thought well that sort of defeats the object of of sort of my purpose mm. <laughs> I feel. Well, um I mean in your day-to-day -day life is it even making the news in the UK? Like, if you listen to the three-minute morning headlines at eight o'clock in the morning, is Brexit even on the agenda in in the UK? Um, well, I mean, I've I've just sort of been set up to to actually kind of, you know sit here and talk to to you guys. Have gone to the BBC homepage, BBC News homepage, and it's all about COVID. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I. I've been checking in a bit yep. more frequently with um, the news and it made a splash about for maybe about half a week when this happened. And that was yeah. about it. Other than that, like every single article has been about COVID pretty much for like the past like six, seven months. Yeah. I mean, and that's if, why I've been avoiding it. <laughs> and like the trade talks are happening like now. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's how it happened for us as well. Looking at the news, it was two, three weeks ago Boris Johnson going like, ah, oh, blah, we don't want it. And then the EU saying, well, <laughs> all right, then then hard Brexit it is. And then it disappeared. So I was like, wait, is it like, right. was there a vote that didn't happen? But, okay, let well, me... Well, Patrick, what's been going on since in parallel to that, right? So that made the news, right? That bizarro yeah, yeah, yeah. bit of legislation. But what's also been going on is actual negotiations between the EU's team and Boris Johnson's team on the future relationship. So those talks are happening, like, literally now, and they've well, been going on so for that's, weeks. that's what I was going to get to. Um, can this be a hardball negotiating tactic where Johnson was like, well, I'll throw everything up in the air, so come back to the negotiating table, and we can talk about it more, you know, to, to get more for the UK. I'm trying to, you know... Uh, uh, see the the positive brexiter side of things here and, and just to be clear the what's what because there was a deadline at the end of october and this is why we're doing this now i don't even mm. remember what it was but there was a deadline now in a, in a couple of weeks right yeah, the, that's the, for the deal to be agreed yeah the, the ministers have to sign off the, the council of ministers mm -hmm. have to sign off on whatever trade deal is done so they're going to be meeting at the end of this month 
So and right now there's no paper for them to put their name on. But what if Boris Johnson is playing 4D chess? Okay, it's not even like it's not even 4D chess. It's just like he tried one last time to get a little bit more for the country and he's going to sign it anyway. Isn't that uh, the, the the reason for the kerfuffle? I it could be. My for what it's worth, my pet theory, right? There's negotiations going on and we're hearing nothing. That mm. means that they're not leaking. Mm. That implies to me they're actually achieving something. Because if they weren't, they'd be leaking like a sieve. Right, to try and influence public uh, opinion, to push To try and influence to, public yeah. opinion. So the fact that they're negotiating silently implies that there actually is a chance we get this thing across the line. Mm. I think the opposite. I think they're not, they're not saying anything. They're keeping radio silence because they know that it's not going well. And they are playing for a no deal. I still I think, think they're that. playing for a no deal. Well, I would aim. Sorry, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, I would. I would kind of back what he's saying as well. There's been some recent articles recently saying progress hasn't been fantastic. That I was reading uh, just earlier, just to try prep for the show. For me, this deal's kind of a bit like. I don't think this would have happened in a non-COVID world. I think Boris Johnson's trying to play a card that he couldn't play in any of his scenario. Because right now you could probably get away with more bad faith politics because, as you said quite rightly, it just doesn't hit the news yeah. really that often. It, it lasted half a week. He's looking at breaking international law. If that came out any other time period like that I can remember, that would have been across headlines for months and months. The but amount so, of damage that would cause. And right now he just gets away with it. I still don't understand exactly what happened. Um, so, the agreement that was signed at the beginning of last year was for the large principles of the agreement, and and there was still negotiation, and it had to be signed at the end of this month. What was agreed upon at the beginning of the year if they still have to re-agree upon it at the end of okay, October? Okay, that's an easy one to answer, Patrick. Okay. So, st what was agreed upon was how to leave Europe. Okay. What is under negotiation now is the trade agreement that will exist between an independent United Kingdom and Europe. So it's the trade so the agreement. The act of leaving is what was agreed last year. And as part of the act of leaving, there was one year where the UK would be out of the EU and have no vote. So, I mean, Europe, the UK has not been at the European Parliament, has not been voting on anything, but is still in the common trade area for one more year. And that expires on the end of this year. So it's the trade deal is needed to 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 be ready when that one year of leeway is over so yeah. the brexit is done and the yes. whether or not it's a hard brexit is what is being discussed now and yes. johnson said well we want to ignore what what was he going to ignore well i'll just add to what bart was saying what what was actually additional Additionally to what was agreed in October last year was a sort of framework to say, well, we are go we are agreeing in good faith that these certain things will be uh, in line um, when we do the trade deal in trade deal proper. And this involved, and I tried to look it up, but this involved several um, caveats around Northern Ireland and and the borders there. Um, and now what's being changed, and this is this is the big issue with breaking the laws, they're saying, well, 
we've signed that agreement, which was a treaty in, in effect, and now they are going back and saying, no, we're not going to honor that treaty. We want to, we want to deal that that wasn't agreed back then. That goes against what we agreed. So that's the issue right now, so uh, the, as far as I can see. The deal on, on how the UK would be out of the EU is what he's saying we're not going to honor that. I'm sure there are details that... Yeah, a part of, a, a part of. So, like, yeah. I mean, the UK are out. Like, Brexit happened in January. The, the United Kingdom are not members of the European Union. Mm. So that's why I'm not sure what he can ignore. Like, that, okay, but that there was is done. Part of that treaty, part of that treaty was that there would exist a sort of a... That Northern Ireland would have one foot in and one foot out of the European uh, common market. So there would be customs arrangements such that anything going from Ireland to mainland UK would be treated as a normal leaving the EU, you're now a third country transaction. But anything purely staying on the island of Ireland, so from the Republic of Ireland to the north or from the north of the Republic, that would be allowed to go freely. And then there would be so effectively, you have half the border control between the North and the Republic and half the border control between the North and the UK. And that was a fudge because no one could agree to have a border in the Irish Sea because the Unionists would go absolutely crazy because that's like, but you're putting us outside the United Kingdom. Mm. And no one wanted a hard border on the land of Ireland because it's really, really not designed for that. Like, it's a very, very, very artificial border, like we talked about before. There's more crossing points in that tiny border than the whole mm. border between Finland and Norway. It, so no one wanted it there. So it's basically half and half in both places. And what Boris Johnson has given himself the right to do is to not bother with the half border in the Irish Sea on a whim. Okay. Yeah, so just yeah. Yeah. Be exposed. He's basically said... The EU can deal with any uh, any fallout from any border issues. It's not our problem. Oh, okay. Basically. So, okay, I see. Yeah. Mm. yeah. If yeah, they so want to put a border in the land border, yeah, right? they've got to deal with it. They've got to put up the border. We're not doing it. Basically, it's mm. not as easy. As something Alex, like yeah. Um, uh, yeah. The one thing to add as well before, basically, for this to be changed, the EU and the UK governments had to agree bilaterally on the changing this or removing this. What Boris Johnson effectively did was set up so that the UK can, on their own, so unilaterally, go ahead and remove this agreement from the clause without the EU's consent, which they couldn't get beforehand in the negotiations, which they've gone ahead and added now afterwards. Okay. So now the UK can pull the plug on this whenever they want on the UK side. And that, to the UK and that has Patrick, been signed, was, that has been voted on. Yeah, and the, 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 the bit that they're trying, that Boris is trying to get rid of was really hard negotiated. Of course, yeah, that so, was the crux, I remember. We spent yeah, essentially and, four episode, episodes talking about how the situation in Northern Ireland was going to be handled, and, right. and the most of those I didn't was, understand, and I still don't. But, right, but the key point here, the compromise mm. was that in order for this special position of Northern Ireland to end, Northern Ireland could decide to pull the plug. So that was the compromise. Mm. It wasn't that Britain could unilaterally leave or that the EU could unilaterally leave, the power to say, no, we're done, rested with Northern Ireland, which was the place where it really matters. So that was really hard mm. negotiated to get it to the point where neither side would have unilateral power apart from Northern Ireland. And Boris, who couldn't get that in a negotiation, has just basically said, Asher, I'll write it in Westminster law and pretend that somehow supersedes an international treaty. 
Gareth, it, I find all of this quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I want, I, I don't know. It seems completely, like, it seems pretty insane. And looking at it from the outside, I'm extremely confused as to, like, <laughs> how does one? There are two ways of looking at it. I think, I obviously, I think about Donald Trump a lot in those situations because if you really look hard, you can see a hardball negotiator, right? You you could think, well, this is going to lead to uh, something that we couldn't have gotten without that kind of baffling move. Uh, honestly, I think this is a very generous interpretation of the of the situation. It seems like. There, given the past record, there's a lot of flating about. And sometimes if you squint really hard in the right position, you're like, oh, but that could be what it means. But I don't know, Gareth, are you as... Because you're the... <clears throat> I'm going to quiet down. Um, you're the, <laughs> the person who we can turn to and say, all right, you wanted the Brexit. And clearly no one wanted all of this to be as complicated as it was. But how does this look to you? Okay, so I'm going to caveat what I'm about to say with uh, um, I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. So I, what I say now, I do not necessarily 100% agree with. All That's right, basically stop me being burned to death on on Twitter. Um, <laughs> That's a wonderful way to set it up. But do <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> so. I think that, that a good part of the we, we want to be out of the EU was around the ability for us to make our own laws and rules. Um, so to a certain extent, I think we're looking at this and saying, well, you know, we just we don't like this agreement. Um, so we no longer agree with it. Um, and... Uh, th yes, there's that a... That makes a, perfect uh, sense. Sovereignty has always been a big thing in this. Yeah. No, of course uh, it does, but it's also like if I tell you I'm gonna we're gonna shake hands on the agreement that you know I don't insult you and you don't insult me, and then you turn around and you're like, well, I'm gonna be able to insult you. I understand that you have the, you know, not the right, but it's like it's you're still breaking an agreement and you're coming back on your word. Like, sorry, absolutely. please, please keep going. No, no, and I, I think you know that that's perfectly reasonable. I think that um, you would then, if you know, if we had made that agreement, and I then turned around and started calling you all sorts of names, then you would <laughs> realise that maybe I'm not as trustworthy as you thought I was, or maybe right. the next time we made an agreement, you might have to say, "Well, I need to think about the fact that maybe this agreement doesn't mm. get upheld," um, and I don't necessarily want to be living in a country that is looked at in that kind of light. Um, mm. But I think that that partially explains maybe what's going on. Um, and the, the other thing is, and, and, and others may be able to, to correct me on this, but my understanding is that there are several things that we've said that we would agree in principle. And, and I, you know, I forget the exact terminology that was used, but we would agree in principle that uh, these five or six things would be part of the deal. And we're now saying, actually, we've we've looked at this a bit further and we're not happy with... Um, and the things that I've got to mind are uh, fishing rights and free movement and um, border controls. There, there were another couple of things, but I think we had agreed in principle that they, these things would remain 
as they are currently. Oh, the the, the food um, regulations. That was another, you know, keeping food regulations in line with the with the EU. Um, and there are several things like that that we're now looking at and saying, well, actually, we're not entirely sure that we do want to stick to what we were doing but- because. If we do stick to what we were doing, then where was the point in us leaving? Well, I mean, I don't think the point of leaving <laughs> is to to systematically change everything you were doing. Like, the, surely some of the things were, you know, not to your liking, but also some of the things were okay, right? You're not going to, on principle, systematically change everything just because you want to change them, all of them. But No, and I, I don't necessarily think that we are changing mm. everything. I think it's just it's the things points, that we... Yeah we are choosing to change yeah are uh, and again you know i'm so so fed up of of mainstream media and the way that they deal with a lot of this sort of stuff because they they picking up on something which might not be a particularly big issue it's going to be a big issue to certain people um and it gets blown up out of all proportions and actually yeah. there might be a perfectly sensible perfectly legitimate solution well, to the problem can I ask what that issue is? Sorry, um, what's what issue is being blown out of proportion? Do you feel that the media is doing? Oh, well, it, that's a, that's a general comment about the media as, as a whole. It's right. not necessarily about about Brexit. I will. But... I, I can because, right, sense. Food, food I can sense the eyes rolling in the audience and maybe in the panel. And I'm going to defend Gareth on this a little bit. the The extent to which I I don't like the term. Uh, mainstream media, because it's not like the people contesting all of this aren't mainstream as well. There are a lot of people that make a lot of money out of just being in the opposition of everything and contesting it and perpetrating, not perpetrating, but uh, continuing that climate of anger that is generated maybe on social media, but maybe somewhere else. But, okay, all that being said, the way media, and especially 24 hours news media, covers some things is infuriating. And I have become, not infuriating, that's a strong word, but is frustrating. No, and I have. It is infuriating. I will defend you okay. on that strong word because it's the same half baked cliche that you just see trotted out by lazy people over and over again. I'll, I'll agree with you there, Patrick. Mm. I'll, I'll agree with you too, I think. But I don't like the term mainstream media because it, it, it sort of, it can be used as a coverall for everything. Whereas I think different media outlets have very, very different leanings and, mm. and you can read a lot into, into what they're saying. You know, if we look at Guardian versus Telegraph readers in the UK, there's two very, they're both mainstream media, but they're two very, very different political views. And it's not just the political view. It's also a, an approach to truthfulness. So you have some mm. media outlets who would be classed as mainstream who make a point of always publishing a correction when they mess up. You, you know, who you have, some of them take great care about being factually correct. They may have an opinion, but that opinion is bolstered by facts they care about verifying. And others who are also mainstream mm. media are all about the opinion and the facts are secondary, if not tertiary. So it's not a monolith. And just slapping it on, a lot of people read you, therefore you're rubbish, is not helpful. No, maybe maybe mainstream media was a bad term for for me to use. I think we are, other than that, we are in agreement. Um, Just just maybe not on the term I used to describe the... uh, I I think, though, we we jumped on that term, and I, I certainly feel a little bit 
I don't know, attacked at the same time as I'm agreeing <laughs> with you, Gareth. Um, but I think the even more important uh, aspect of what you're saying is, you know, all three, all four of us are still like rabid dogs, you know, dissecting every part of what Boris Johnson said and why did he say this and, oh, he can't do that. And he's like, and it's... And uh, and you, well, maybe not like rabid dogs, but I mean, we're certainly upset there, about it. I don't quite agree with what you're saying there. <laughs> okay. Neither do I. <laughs> uh, well, I, I will say that we are uh, uh, upset by the situation. Um, yeah. It does seem like Gareth is more checked out than upset. And I'm wondering if this is, isn't, obviously this is just one example, it's very, you know, limited empirical evidence, but I'm wondering if this isn't a sentiment that we uh, maybe can, can uh, see in the camp of the people who were told, you know what, we're going to leave the EU, it's all going to be great, we're going to be an independent, strong country, and it's going to be very simple, and all of the, sh sorry, I'm going to curse, all of the shit came mm -hmm. out of that situation, and they're like, but what? And everyone's running around, flailing their arms in the air, screaming at every little detail in the mainstream media, and they're like, all right, you know what, F all of you, do whatever, I just, I was asked a question, I voted, as is my right, F you, whatever. Yeah. Is that yeah. is Gareth? What what do you think? <laughs> I think there's 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 a grain of of truth in in what you're saying there. Okay, um, I'll take a it, grain of truth these days. <laughs> well, um, I, I'm I'm not sitting here thinking, yeah, F all of you. I, you know, it, it's mm. definitely not quite that. But it is very much a, you know, I'm looking at things and saying, well, they, you know, they are they're making a trade agreement it's going to take some time it, it, there are going to be problems there are going to be setbacks and i the fact that we are potentially breaking international law if that's <laughs> actually what's what's happening here is not good um but i'm still not exactly clear on the fact that that is or is not happening or whether we're just interpreting uh, a line in a in a treaty differently to how the eu are mm. Uh, you know, well, reading I, it. Um, uh, I, I think having John Major come out and say, "Oh my God, what are you doing? This is not how you do international negotiations." I yeah, mean, uh, they themselves agreed. Sorry, but they themselves agreed and said, "Oh yes, we are breaking the law in a very specific and limited way." That's that was their exact words. <laughs> what are the ministers? Yeah. So it was in fairness, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Okay. No. Go. Go ahead. Sorry, Bart, Bruce. Bart, no, I you, interrupted you. <laughs> you. You. I have been uh, preventing you from speaking for a few minutes. Go ahead, Bruce. And then we'll go to um, Bart, who has I, also I just, been interrupted. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry, Bart. Um, I just wanted to ask Gareth when when he was talking about well, we've talked about mainstream media, but um, would you say the BBC are biased one way or another? How How do you feel about them? Uh, the I've the I've always felt that the BBC were the um, most I don't really know what the term is. The most reliable, least biased, most centered. Uh, okay. Um, of, of of all of the sort of news organisations that I've ever really looked at, um, you know, I've always gone to BBC News on the TV. If if I want a news story from the web, I will go to the BBC website. Um, but I am becoming more of the opinion that they are doing the same as lots of other media outlets, and 
um, and picking at specific things and, 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 as I say, blowing things up and making things bigger than they are and not necessarily backing everything up with actual hard facts. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm just, from, from the other side, my, my view on the BBC is very much that they have swung very hard to the right in the past uh, few years. And in fact, they are not um, raising the issues that need to be raised. And, and that's my view. So it's it's interesting, you know, how we're viewing the same media outlet. Mm. We can read into that how you want. Yeah. You know, maybe my political view has changed or maybe the BBC has changed. I don't know. So you know, I, I just wanted to ask that quickly. No, that's an interesting one. Um, I think we need um, slow news. I think we don't need 24 hours news. I think we need... Yeah. No, you, you don't, Patrick, right? So I'm going to give everyone a tip on okay. terms of getting some news. So it does have the letters BBC in it, but it has one very important word after that. BBC World Service. BBC mm. World. They yep. do twice a day, half hour updates on the world's news. So they stick to the facts, right? It is... Half an hour to cover the whole of planet Earth means you're not getting all of the political intrigue. You're not getting the horse race coverage. What you're getting is what happened and what, you know, what happened, not what we think or what you think. And the great thing with the World Service is the journalists who report on India are in India. The journalists who report on South America are in South America. And frankly, they give a very outsider's view of UK news because their audience mm. is the world, not the UK. And whenever they cover Ireland, they do an amazingly good job, which tells me that when they cover other countries, they're probably doing as good of a job. All right. BBC so News, BBC News World, BBC World Service, what, World News Service? So, yeah, so the BBC have the domestic arm, which is Right, right. No, I'm just asking for, for the name again. So BBC World, they have a podcast, okay. uh, I think it's called... I think it's called BBC World. Just basically, it's it's twice mm. a day. It's a half hour podcast. It comes out right. twice a day to catch you up on the world news every twelve hours, basically. Uh, so midday and midnight. Yeah, sounds but, uh, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, anyway, the two things I sort of wanted to get to in terms mm. of actual discussion, right? So, the things that are causing holdup in the trade negotiations we're hearing so little from. On the one hand, they sound like very minor stuff, right? Fisheries, food regulations, but. Again, for Northern Ireland and Ireland, they're massively important. It needs to be possible for a farmer who lives on the border to sell his milk on either side of that border, for a cheese factory to get milk from both sides. It really, really matters. Like Ireland is an agricultural country. Northern Ireland is an agricultural country. So food regulation isn't some pilfering little thing. Food regulation is vital to the economy of Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. And if, if the regulations are vastly different on the island, it, it is economically massively damaging. The fisheries, on the other hand, seems to me to be a very, very small tail trying to wag a massive dog. We're overfishing our oceans to the point that they're going to have no fish in them very soon. So I guess that problem will go away. But it is for reasons I don't quite understand, the fishery lobby have massive power. Mm. And I, I don't understand it because they control our government too. Alex? Yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't meaning to uh, belittle any of the decisions that need to be made, just, just for the record. It, it was more a, um, there's Brexit is the big thing. There's the trade negotiations is then a smaller part of Brexit. And then there's each of the individual parts of the trade agreement are then even smaller bits of the bigger 
Um, sorry, I'll stop talking and Alex carry on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I think I think this is really important what you're saying and what Bart was saying. It's it, the everything seems small to someone and is super vital to someone else. You know, and it can be blown up to be something that will be the end of the world to some people. And if you go ask them, this is unacceptable. And if and at the same time, since everything can be important to someone, if you listen to everyone and and, and there's always going to be someone who says it's the end of the world, you can't make any decision about anything. It's kind of like when you ask something on social media, there's always someone that's going to disagree with you. And so sometimes you do have to ignore the thing that seems like it's going to be the end of the world for some people. Now, of course, if you're talking about, you know, agriculture in a country that's mainly, uh, uh, th which, uh, whose economy is mainly agricultural, uh, yeah, that's, that's obviously important. But yeah, uh, sorry, Alex, what, what were you, what are your thoughts uh, yeah. on all this? Yeah, I, I can see what you mean around some of these things, around the discussions and stuff. Because like, for me personally, the, the, the fisheries policies, for me, that has no, no personal impact whatsoever. And it's always weird to see how that's been. It's almost like, a, I'm not sure it's like a patriotic thing. You know, we've got to protect our fisher, fisheries. We've got to protect our fishermen and stuff. Well, you know, it is, yeah. Like, it's very riled up in the British news, it feels. I always kind of a bit, kind of, when I see it, I'm a bit questioning, like, okay, but how much of our economy really is made up of that? And maybe maybe I'm wrong on that entirely. But for me personally, I could I, I do kind of question how it has such a large impact, mm. at least the UK side anyway. The, the fishing thing, and we could do a whole podcast on the fishing thing, but I think it's very much a big a red herring uh, in that, yes, it's a big thing, but... It's not the EU that's ever been a problem with it. Um, but mm. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I think the UK has uh, had quite a few issues, issues around fisheries, etc. and stuff. Uh, we, we're kind of like a big roadblock for Europe and getting out into the good fishing spots, it seems, for the most part, where we're positioned. All right. Um, let's Patrick, go can I, with... can I just throw in one final thought on the Boris thing? Yes, it's... and I think that's going to be our last uh, uh, piece of conversation because we, we I, I don't know that we have much more to say, but go ahead, Bart. Okay. So, okay, so from my point of view, right, so I'm not in the UK, I'm on the outside. And from my point of view, I'm a very pragmatic person. Brexit has happened. It's almost a year old. Mm. So I don't care about, oh, they shouldn't have left. Doesn't matter. Gone, done, finished. What matters to me is that we have a good neighbor next door who we can get on with and who we can continue to have a positive relationship with. So the reason the, the legislation troubles me so much is that it's so hard to see how it isn't shooting yourself in the foot. Because if you do that to the EU negotiation, then the Americans are obviously watching. Nancy Pelosi was very quick to say she was watching. The Canadians are watching. The Japanese are watching. So the whole point of Brexit was to have the freedom to have all of these amazing trade deals. But all of those deals are international treaties. And so how do you start the process of negotiating with the entire planet by saying, yeah, whatever we negotiate with you, we won't stick to and we don't feel bound to and we're perfectly happy not to you know, an agreement isn't an agreement in our mind. And that, like, how do you end up with a strong United Kingdom if no one in the world trusts them? And that's why I'm so worried about it. 
Yeah, just to add to that, uh, there's a, a beautiful layer of kind of hypocrisy to this in that Boris Johnson's reasoning was to give a, a safety net if the EU is acting unreasonable. And in this case, <laughs> it the UK is acting unreasonable. I just found that ultimately hypocritical, uh, just to add in there. Yeah, and I think it's not great. <laughs> it's, not, it's not how I want my country to be viewed by the rest of the world, and I don't think it's how the majority of the of the country I live in is. Um, yeah. You know, so, so sorry, world. Um, <laughs> so I think uh, I, I think uh, what do you guys think the Brexiter camp is 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 think thinking about this? Um, is it like, well, we have to do it to make sure we're we're in a strong position, or is it more in line with what you were saying, Bart? Is well, this season this seems illogical and somewhat unreasonable. The fact that you have former prime ministers from the same party. I mean, obviously, I would yeah. expect mm. a former Labour prime minister to criticize a current Tory prime minister, but John Major is an extremely. I mean. I always thought it was to his credit. He's an extremely boring man. He mm. never courted controversy. He never courted fame. He was a real pragmatic nerd prime minister. And I loved him for it. Um, even though I'm very much not conservative, I still loved him for it. But for him to come out and be so, to, to do an act as unusual for a former Tory prime minister to criticize the current Tory prime minister, tells you how seriously he takes it because him mm. of all people to be this interesting is is, is difficult mm. if, if anyone remembers spitting image interesting is not what they liked to describe him as okay um i want to leave the last word to gareth uh, because as always he's very brave to be coming on this show and and he's the opinion that i'm <laughs> sometimes they go together um yeah. but yeah so any last thing you want to say before we close off the show yeah, so I think um, I, I don't I don't know whether this is directly relevant or not, but I have this little this little thing that I keep in my head a lot of the time, which is that you should never never attribute to malice something which could <laughs> otherwise be described as stupidity. That's called um, Hanlon's razor. I love it. Yeah, yes. I am <laughs> such a fan of that. Yeah, I, I always I keep that in mind whenever I'm having any conversation with anybody, basically. Um, but but also to remember that. And using the uh, food standards as a as a as an, as an example, sorry, get my words out. Um, just because we've said we will not necessarily stick to the EU standards, doesn't mean that we will throw them completely to the wind and completely trash everything. So, um, again, I think this is one of the things where where things get lost. It's like saying, well, we, yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna stick to the standards. Exactly. Mm. We will allow, I, I don't know, unpasteurized milk to be sold to miners or <laughs> something like that. You know, but actually everything else will remain exactly the same. Mm. And, and I understand that's not necessarily going to be the case. There's this whole thing about chlorinated chicken from, from the US uh, and whether, whether that's a good thing, a bad thing, or, or, or another thing. Um, but I think it's important to, to remember that whilst... We are saying we won't necessarily stick to it. That doesn't mean that we're going to throw everything, mm. everything away and start again. Well, yeah, let's let's hope that not everything is thrown away. That's a good way to, to end this one. Um, 
This is the fifth episode of the Brexit saga. I think the title is going to be The Kerfuffle. I think it works. Uh, <laughs> it's a perfect word. I mean, kerfuffle is, just yeah. invokes tousle-haired blonde prime ministers to me. All right, let's end the show here. Um, would you mind telling us where we can find you on the internet? Uh, let's go with Bart, who is very active. Well, the easiest thing to do is to go to bartb.ie, where you'll find links to the various podcasts I do. Let's Talk Apple, Let's Talk Photography. Oh, I have an ebook out, and I didn't even have to Ooh. write it myself, which is wonderful. <laughs> so I've done a series with a wonderful podcaster called Alison Sheridan called Taming the Terminal. And because it was all open source, behind my back, Alison and um, a listener from Holland, uh, Dr. Helma, they made it into an ebook, and it's now available in the Apple bookstore, Taming the Terminal. So that's kind of cool. Excellent. Fantastic. And uh, of course, for you, as for everyone else who has a Twitter presence, uh, it will be the link will be in the show notes. Uh, let's go to Gareth. Uh, do you have a thing you want to plug? Uh, yes. So you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Gareth Westwood. Um, please be gentle. Um, and I do occasionally uh, throw videos up on uh, on YouTube. They're, they're very, very techy um, IT sort of related ones. Um, but that's with my, the company's quietly confident technology. Excellent. Thank you very much. Alex, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'm still pretty much a social media recluse at this point. However, if you do want to get hold of me, you can uh, find me in the Patreon Discord uh, to talk to me as well, if you're in there. Um, actually, the Patreon Discord is, uh, well, the Discord in general has a public section and a private section for some of the patron levels, uh, but it's accessible. It has a public session accessible to everyone. And you can find the link at uh, notpatrick.com. There is a link to the Patreon there. Um, it's it's primarily a French uh, language Patreon, but uh, French language Discord, but you can definitely find the English sections over there as well. Uh, okay. Yeah, all right. If you want me, uh, just uh, come from your message in there. Just what? Sorry. I said, come from me a message in there if you want me. It's uh, Excellent. Alexander. Uh, what about you, Bruce? Um, I'm. My Twitter will be in the in the show notes. Um, and I just wanted to add that I always thought Brexit was the worst conjunction or word ever, um, but that's been beaten this year. Um, and I think uh, Patrick will know oh, which yes. one it is. Yeah, BlizzCon line, please. BlizzCon line is terrible. <laughs> My my reaction. It's so. BlizzCon. The word is horrible for sure. Um, do you not know what it is, Bart? No, I mean this is news so, to me. BlizzCon is the uh, Blizzard convention that was happening every year around November, which obviously is not happening. Blizzard, you know, the video game. Oh. Uh, developer yeah. and it's not happening this year and they decided to do an online version which is going to be happening on in february and it's going to be called blizzcon line and i hate that name with more hate than should be reasonable um I'm, I'm like you don't have to be clever all the time about everything just call it blizzcon online it's fine just uh, don't <laughs> ah anyway yes um, thank you. and 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 i want to leave with a, a recommendation and a and a request the recommendation is a podcast on bbc world and and bbc online it's called more or less 
um, and they yes. go through the numbers, and they are fantastic. Um, and they it also they also have little sections on uh, on BBC World that made me think of it. Uh, it sounds like you like that, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And the request is, Patrick, you, uh, um, we, when are you going to have another all-female podcast? Uh, an update <laughs> to the to the one because that that was by far, aside from the ones we're doing, by far the best uh, episode. You've Thank ever you. Done. I will <laughs> I will do my best to do that again at some point. I also want to do an update on parenting because things have changed. So oh yes, we'll think about that. Uh, But until then, I'm NotPatrick on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can find all the links at NotPatrick.com. And you can support the show at uh, The Phileas Club. No, at Patreon.com slash The Phileas Club. If you wish to support it financially, it would be very much appreciated. I thank you all who already do. And I thank all the ones who are considering doing it. Uh, Thanks a lot. This is the fifth episode of the Brexit saga, and I'm pretty sure we're going to have more coming at some point. It's never over, apparently. Talk to you soon.